Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com presents Atonement, Soundings in Biblical, Trinitarian, and Spiritual Theology with Dr. Margaret Turek. Dr. Turek is a professor of theology and chair of Domatic Theology at St. Patrick's Seminary and University. She received her doctorate in Sacred Theology at the University of Freiburg in Switzerland. Her other publications include Towards a Theology of God the Father, Atonement, Soundings in Biblical Trinitarian and Spiritual Theology with Dr. Margaret Turek. Here is your host, Evan Collins. So you wanted to bring a quote from Pope Benedict that you recently uncovered yes. to, to share delights for us to flesh out for the conversation. So you want to just take it away and we can just receive whatever goodness the late Pope, may he rest yes. in peace, had to share. Yes, very good. You know that a new book is coming out, a collection of writings, interviews that uh, Benedict engaged in after his resignation. So the kind of hidden years since his resignation have borne this fruit, this book that's entitled, What is Christianity? Plugged for Ignatius Press. Ignatius Press got the rights to the English translation. So it'll be coming out soon. But I was given an excerpt from this upcoming book in which Benedict addresses questions concerning atonement. And his answers to these questions very much are in harmony with the theology and spirituality of atonement that's been developed in the book that we're reading and discussing together. Here are Benedict's words. He says, when St. Anselm says that Christ had to die on the cross to repair the infinite offense, that had been done to God, and thus restore the broken order. King Anselm uses language that is difficult to accept by modern man. By expressing ourselves in this way, in Anselm's way, God is infinitely offended and therefore requires satisfaction, etc. Benedict says, we risk projecting onto God an image of a God of wrath. Now, mind you, what's going on? A God of wrath understood or misunderstood in this way, quote, dominated by feelings of violence and aggression, comparable to what we ourselves can experience when we are in. Okay? So Benedict asks, how is it possible to speak of God's justice? And we might add, and of God's wrath, without risking breaking the certainty now established among the faithful that the God of Christians is a God rich in mercy. Ephesians 2 4. Still, Benedict, the conceptual categories of St. Anselm again, God is offended, divine justice being operative, requiring satisfaction, etc. Those categories 
have certainly become incomprehensible to us today, or at least risk being misunderstood. Okay, so now Benedict is offering his own approach. First point he makes, the opposition rather than the... Now, I'm kind of commenting on Benedict as, as we go along, but the, the, he says the opposition between the father who insists on justice in an absolute way. Notice there's no mention of mercy as it coinciding with God's justice. Yes. So here's the problem. The opposition between the father who insists on justice in an absolute way and the son who obeys the father and by obeying accepts the cruel demand of justice is not only incomprehensible today, but starting from Trinitarian theology, is in itself completely wrong. This gets good, doesn't it? <laughs> Joe Benedict, now. The Father and the Son are one, and therefore their will is utterly in harmony, utterly in accord. When the Son in the Garden of Olives, as man struggles with the Father's will, it is not a question of having to accept a cruel arrangement from God for himself. It's not a question of a God of wrath, a wrath that's violent and cruel, all right? A justice that's devoid of love. No. But the son is struggling with the father's will because, as, as humanity, he understands the cost that love is willing to pay the lengths to which love is willing to go. And it's breathtaking. And for the son, it's it's breathtaking, and it leads to him sweating blood. Benedict still. We're going to have to go back again. And he says later on, too, and we've got to talk about the relationship between the two wills of the father and the son. It's one will, but it's a paternal will and a filial will. It's paternal love and filial love. And paternal love is itself one with the justice that God is working to bring about, never divorced from love, but uh, justice as an expression of love. Now, let me fast forward to the third point. I'm going to skip the second point that Benedict makes, but here's the third point that concludes Benedict's response to this question about atonement. He says, On, this ba- on the basis of this relationship between the Father and the Son, that's from eternity, a Trinitarian relationship of love. And this Trinitarian relationship of love then is expressed in terms of the work of salvation in, in time. He says, on this subject, I, Benedict, I'm going to quote a passage from De Lubach. De Lubach's book, on origin, which seems to me, says Benedict, to bring much clarity. Now, Benedict is quoting origin. The Savior came down to earth out of compassion, pity for the human race. He suffered our passions before suffering the cross. Even before he deigned to take our flesh, 
by interjection here. Okay. So still as God, prescinding from his becoming man, as God, even the son, is engaged in a love suffering. Right? He suffered our passions before suffering the cross, even before he deigned to take our flesh. Because if he hadn't suffered for us first as God, he wouldn't have come to participate in our human life. What is this passion that he has felt for us from the beginning? It is the passion of love. But the Father himself, not only the Son, he who is full of long-suffering, mercy, and devotion, does he not suffer, perhaps, in some way? Or perhaps, are you unaware that when he deals with the human plight, he suffers a passion? This is from Origen. Okay, so he says, because the Lord God has taken upon himself your ways of life as one who takes upon himself his child. This is um, an allusion to the Father already, the God and Father of Israel. He suffers the plight of his people as a father suffers the plight of his child. He says, this is great, the Father himself is not impassive. If you invoke him, he has pity and compassion. He, the Father, suffers a passion of love. A passion of love. End of quote. Now it's Benedict in his own words. In some areas of Germany, there was a very moving devotion which focused on the this image of the Father. The Father who suffers. The Father who shares inwardly the sufferings of the Son. And then Benedict thinks of this image of the throne of grace. And it's kind of one of the images is, of this throne of grace is here in my book. That Roxanne Lum shows this beautiful image of the cross where the Father is hovering over the cross and his arms are extended in paternal fashion uh, equally as the Son's arms are extended on the cross. Now, Benedict's comments. So here you've got the Father supports the cross and the crucifix. The Father is bending over the crucified one lovingly. And on the other hand, they are, as it were, together, Father and Son on the cross. Careful, they're together in this event, in their different ways. The Son alone is suffering this as man in an filial fashion. But there is a paternal involvement that is one of utter love. The Father remains with the Son, lovingly near him, even as he's asking the Son and enabling the Son to suffer the Father's seeming absence to atone for sin. Here's Benedict. So this is so cool. They're together, Father and Son, on the cross, if you will. It is not a matter of a cruel justice, or we might add of a violent wrath. It's not a matter of the Father's fanaticism, but rather of the true overcoming of evil that ultimately can be realized only 
in the suffering of love. End of quote. End of quoting Benedict. Evan, I, I'm just going to get really excited here with your audience. You, you and I are having a conversation, and it's like we're 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 standing alongside Benedict, listening to his meditation on the cross, and what he's saying. This work of atonement is indeed a work for Benedict. Well, it's a work of justice. It isn't a justice, if you will, gone rogue. It's a justice that is best understood as pressed into the service of divine love. And it's love that's realized only in the suffering of love. Love does not remain untouched. Love doesn't remain unscathed. Divine love is so involved that it fears all things and endures all things without being diminished, without without ever failing. This is the all-powerful love of our God. We'll return to Atonement, Soundings in Biblical, Trinitarian, and Spiritual Theology with Dr. Margaret Turek in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, 
grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. We now return to Atonement, Soundings in Biblical, Trinitarian, and Spiritual Theology with Dr. Margaret Turek. So I'm going to go backtrack and think of all the different things that I thought of in this concept, but I think one of the most important things, and Benedict is highlighting this in what we just read, is that there's no contradiction between the justice of God and the mercy of God, and you kind of talked about this already, but I think what's also important is there's also no neutering of the power of God in the act of atonement either. So I think sometimes we think about it and we... There is this paradoxical nature. Jesus seemingly makes himself completely powerless um, in this moment. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. He's entering in to the depths, you know, the dregs, so to speak, or whatever. Precisely there, the power of God can be made manifest. And so one, one of the things that you said in your concluding remarks for the section on the New Testament is that the Father and Son are jointly involved because... It's a shared willingness. So there was no abusive demand of the Father to the Son that resulted in atonement. So Christians, we we don't believe that the only way for us to get to heaven is that the bloodthirsty, celestial, child-abusing Father needed to have the scales made right so that we could somehow, out of an arbitrary understanding of sin— get in, so to speak, you know, instead the father and the son together in their shared willingness and love. Now, this is your words, transform the estrangement wrought by sin, which is what we had just talked about because, and the estrangement wrought by sin is the effects of sin. That's yes. Yes. There's this idea. I think also that sometimes we can have, I've fallen victim to this. I'm sure anyone has in their spiritual life where you think, well, I got away with that sin. You can't get away with sin. You can't get away with sin. The effects of sin are estrangement from God, but instead the Father and the Son work together to enter, in a sense, into sin, right? That's what we mean by he became a sin offering. You know, he entered into sin, but he didn't take on sin in the sense of he he didn't commit sin, Yes. but he entered into it and then thereby entering into it, annihilated it. And that's the power of God made presence. And so... And I think that's really important because what we were highlighting previously, the Father's forgiving love is that same generative love and the forgiving love. They're the same thing. They're 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 together, you know. And so when we speak of atonement, though, and it is important because we've been using Trinitarian terms, we, we are primarily thinking of the form of the filial love. So the love of the Son taking in this yes. cosmic dance that you that language that you like to use in asserting itself in the face of the consequences of sin specifically. So what's happening here then is that God is, he's so just that he can't just let the sin off the hook. He doesn't say you get off of the hook here because I love you so much. You just get off the hook. That would be a horrible father. But instead he says, I am going to transform the situation that you're in, in this world, the consequences of sin, I'm going to enter into it. I'm going to experience the depths of suffering to give you a means of transforming the consequences of sin into the love that I am. Yes. I am. Yes. And that's what we're talking about when we yes. need atonement. 
and exactly so benedict uses some words and i wanted i wanted to kind of assert this is that we have been saying this whole time and using our four guys and benedict is one of them so it's complete makes total sense he's yeah. consonant still with himself he's always yeah, been yeah, a yeah. very thorough yeah. thinker but our four guys balthazar hoffman john paul ii and pope benedict slash ratzinger before he was pope it's very clear that god doesn't change in the sense of he's always been loved he's not like he's not like oh i'm going to do this and that's something that we that's a popular notion we have about the trinity we talk about the father so loved the son the son reciprocates the love of the father the holy spirit is like that love that's like together that that's present that's kind of the language that most people would use i think you'd hear that in a lot of catechesis class so what we're talking about here with your book for atonement is we're just fleshing out what that means in the passion of jesus christ and then we will talk about, and because we've, and it's kind of already present in the language implicitly, is that God leaves room for us to participate in that. So he's made a space, and that's what we mean by, that's why it's important, and this is why theologians were right, especially even Anselm, they were right to insist upon talking about the Son, because that's where we enter into the picture, and because we are children of God, we are not the Father. We're children of the Father. Um, and so w- you kind of use this term asserting filiation. So like asserting our sonship in the yes. Son. And yes. that's what it means to kind of live in the atonement is to assert our sonship yes. in the Son yes. in the face of sin. So I love exactly what you're talking about here because this kind of shows there's a lot of mysteries to unpack. And we can kind of get it and not highlight it. But just to even put some travel markers here. This is how you understand what it means to be divinized, to be made like Christ, to live a life in Christ, to live with Christ, to live for Christ. This language of atonement is going to answer all of that. And then we'll get to these as well. But this is what the phrase offer it up really means. And so we're kind of, that's a popular image that we use as well. And so I love what Benedict says, but... May I I, I say something? Yeah. I'm just thinking as you were as you were speaking and talking about, you know, filiation and so on, I'd like to elaborate on that just a, a bit, but hopefully in a simple way. <laughs> that is in the end, what is Christ's mission? The Father sent him for a twofold purpose. We kind of talked about this yesterday, that the twofold purpose of the Father sending the Son is first to certainly redeem the world to to atone to expiate the sins of the world god so loved the world uh, that he sent his son as expiation for the world's sin the father also sent the son to be the definitive revealer of the father's true face of the father's true character to sum all this up really the inmost essence of the son's mission granted that twofold purpose to reveal the Father, the true face of the Father, and to expiate, atone for the sins of the world. That twofold purpose is one and the same with the Son simply, faithfully living out his sonship in this sin-conditioned state of the world. What Christ does, the Son does, to fulfill those that twofold purpose is simply to be son, faithfully 
relentlessly at every moment, despite every obstacle, every temptation, Satan in the wilderness. If you are the son of God, da -da -da -da, da -da -da -da, at the foot of the cross, the onlookers saying, if you are the son of God, come on. What the son is sent to do is to faithfully live his filial existence. And precisely by doing that, being son, living as a son, he reveals the true face of the father because to be son is to be the image chip off the old block, the perfect reflection of the Father, and to be son, as we'll see, is to assert sonship. Then the love against sin. Yes. So forward when it comes to us, when it comes to us, why is it that we have a share in the mission of atonement? Well, simply put, it's because we are, Christ came, and after his return to the Father, he sends, he and the Father send the spirit of sonship, sonship into our hearts. So we are made to, and then remade, reborn, to share in the very sonship of Christ, to share in the sonship of the Son before the Father, but to share in that sonship, to be sons and daughters of God in this fallen world is to share in the son's mission. We will reveal the father in our turn and we're co-revealers of the father with the son and in the son and we are co-atoms with the son and in the son. We just don't get off with being sons in the son to be son is to live out sonship in the, this dramatic context of a fallen world. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Turek and Evan Collins in our next episode. You've been listening to Atonement, Soundings in Biblical, Trinitarian, and Spiritual Theology with Dr. Margaret Turek and your host, Evan Collins. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com, as well as in the free Discerning Hearts app, or on your favorite podcast streaming platform. You can also view this conversation on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. To learn more about the book on which this series is based, go to Ignatius.com, the website for its publisher, Ignatius Press, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel this worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Atonement, Soundings in Biblical, Trinitarian, and Spiritual Theology with Dr. Margaret Turek. <laughs>